0: To the South Cliff Podcast, we're glad you've joined us now. Here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's good to see you. Glad you're able to be with us and uh, hope you enjoyed the winter weather over the week that was kind of a crazy experience wasn't for those of you that are here in Texas for sure uh, others of you that are watching in other parts of the world kind of watch with amazement and humor as you see Texans deal with uh, with ice and snow uh, but it's a unique experience for us I was uh, I, my wife of course is in uh, the medical world and so they have to nurses and doctors and all those people don't get off they have to go to work and so uh, I took her to work uh, on Friday morning when all the ice and snow was out and and uh, and i went outside to scrape the the ice off the windshield of the truck before i did that and so i've got the scraper and i'm scraping and i'm making pretty good headway you know and it's beautiful the sun's shining but i'm scraping the ice off and the next moment as i'm scraping something really crazy happened because i'm scraping this way and all of a sudden i'm laying on my back and I've got the scraper in my hand looking up at the sky, and I'm just thinking, okay, how did that happen? What just went on? And, uh, and so I get up, and I feel around, and I'm, hey, I'm good, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm strong. And so no big deal, I finished scraping the, the ice off, took it to work with no problem until the next day. And the next day I wake up and I have trouble breathing and I'm like, oh my goodness, what in the world's going on? And so I'm just kind of sore all over the place and I hesitate to even admit that to you because I grew up, you know, when I have three sons and we have a lot of competition in our house and anytime I hurt myself, um, their response is usually, that is just so pathetic dad, you know. Uh, But anyway, I tell you that just simply to say that if I scream out at some point in the message this morning, um, inadvertently I might turn and, oh, it lets me know that kind of thing happens. And it might keep you awake. I don't know. It might be a good thing. We'll see. Well, today we continue a study we started a few weeks ago. It's been really helpful for me. I don't know if it's been as good for you, but it has been great for me to recognize and remember that God longs for me to live victoriously in this life. I don't know why, but we somehow lose sight of that. And we fall into this old thinking that, that we just survive. We just get into survival mode. And if I can just make it to when I die, everything's going to be okay. Well, I want you to understand that when God saved you, he didn't save you just for heaven. If heaven were the goal, then he would have taken you to heaven the moment you got saved. But he left you here so there must be another goal and the goal is for us to live in victory in a broken fallen world this is how God gains glory is when his children live in victory and fullness surrounded by sin and brokenness it demonstrates the power of God To the world and brings many in the world to an understanding of his saving grace. So, what we have done is we have looked in the book of of, uh, Joshua at the story of God leading the nation of Israel into the promised land. And, And God is so specific in the first three chapters, you'll really become familiar with those chapters before we're done. But God is so specific in what he tells the nation of Israel to do. And and, and I learned this a long time ago. God is not haphazard. Everything he does has a purpose and a reason. Everything he tells us to do, there's a reason behind it. And I believe many of the very specific things God tells the nation of Israel to do actually offer for us a, a, a pattern that we can follow that will enable us to enter into the fullness of what God has for us. I mean, after all, you remember Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And have it abundantly. I've come that you might live life fully. And so the goal is that we discover how to do that. This week, I ran across a wonderful little statement. It goes like this. There was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang or prayed. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived... They claimed he never died. Now, you know, unfortunately, that describes a whole lot of us. I I have had occasions when I would preach funerals, and I've known people for a long time. There have been times when I was tempted to say, died at 60, buried at 80. Some people die long before they die. You know what I'm talking about? We give up. And we don't live fully as God has called us to. So over the last few weeks, we have looked at at Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3, and we've made these discoveries of how we can walk into the fullness of God. But now, I want you to recognize one other truth before we get into chapter 3 and read from it today. One thing that becomes clear in chapter 3. Chapter 3 is the chapter where the nation of Israel finally enters into the promised land. Forty years of wandering around in the wilderness. They finally cross over the Jordan. They enter into the promise. They possess their possession. And all of that culminates in chapter 3 of Joshua. But one of the things that we begin to recognize in this story is... That we never fully embrace God's fullness for us. We never know God's victory apart from God's power. His power made it possible for them to walk into the promised land, right? It was God's power that stopped the flow of the Jordan River and allowed them to walk across. And I want you to understand, you'll never know the fullness of God without knowing God's power. So what I want to do today is talk about that power of God. How do we access God's power? What can we learn about the power of God from the display of God's power as seen in chapter 3 in the book of Joshua? And what what we will discover together is that there there are three critical issues that you need to understand about God's power. And if you understand this, it'll change everything. If you get this, you'll begin to understand, first of all, you'll understand why God's power is not alive in your life. And secondly, you'll understand, okay, what I need to do to access God's power in my life. How can I find his strength and his power uh, that that enables me to overcome? Now, there are three things we're going to look at, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're not going to get through all three of them today. We're just going to look at one of them today. I started out saying this was going to be a three-point sermon, and then I realized that you don't listen fast enough to do that. We have to just stay with one point, and then next week we'll pick up with part two. So you're going to have to come back next week, and it might be a third week. I don't know. We'll see if we can put two points together next week. But you're going to have to come back to really begin to understand this and how to apply it to your life. But there are three critical truths to understanding God's power listen first of all let me give them to you and then we're going to come back and read and then we'll unpack them together first of all I want you to understand this God's power is always connected to God's purpose you'll never see (coughs) the power of God exercised apart from his purpose the second thing we're going to discover and you'll be glad we didn't talk about it this week because it's not going to be a popular one for us what we talk about today is powerful. What we talk about next week is painful. The second thing that I've discovered is that God's power is always connected to God's timing. Now, that's the part we don't like. We want God's power connected to our timetable, not his. We're going to discover next time. That it's, and, and then the final thing we're going to discover, it's another one that's tough for us, is that God's power is connected to our obedience, So those are the three critical truths that we can discover from this story with regard to the power of God. So let's look at the passage of scripture and the story, be reminded of some of what we have already discovered, and then we're going to unpack that first one in our time together. So if you have your Bible, look with me to Joshua, and we're going to turn together to chapter three, and we're going to look at the first, from verse five, we have already read this chapter, but we're going to look at verse five to 10, and then jump down to verse 17 just to remind you of what's going on and what's happening beginning with verse five and then joshua said to the people consecrate yourself for tomorrow the lord will do wonders among you there's the power of god God is going to do wonders among you. And he does. He stops the flow of the Jordan River. So there's the power of God. He says, you're going to see the power of God tomorrow. Consecrate yourselves. And Joshua spoke to the priest and he said, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and they went ahead of the people now the lord said to joshua this day i will begin to exalt you in the sight of all israel that they will know that just as i have been with moses i am with uh, i will be with you you shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the ark of the covenant saying when you come to the edge of the waters of the jordan you shall stand still in the jordan Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will assuredly dispose from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Peserites, the uh, Gagazurites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. All of these enemies that were in the promised land. He said, you're going to see wonders today. And they would see that when the Jordan River would be cut off. You are also going to see the power of God as he enables you to drive out the enemy and possess all that God has promised you. Now, jump down to verse 17, and we find what happens as uh, kind of we looked at last time. And the priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now there we find a display of God's power, but not only a display of God's power, the promise of the power that would continue, that would provide the victory that God had provided for the nation of Israel. So with that in mind, let's just talk about those three things that kind of reveal how the power of God works so that we can understand how we can access God's power and we can literally utilize the power of God in our life, and I think understanding this is going to make a difference. Number one, I want you to learn together with me today that God's power is always connected to God's purpose. God's power is connected to God's purpose. What I mean by that is simply this. God uses his power to accomplish his purpose. Now listen very carefully to what I'm telling you. What that means is God never releases his power to indulge your desires. God never releases his power to accomplish your purpose and your desire and your goal. God is not interested in providing his power to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. God uses his power to accomplish His own personal goals. Now, I might add another thing that I've just discovered in my life. Neither is God interested in using his power to get you out of a situation that he never led you into. Does that sound familiar? You know, sometimes we become disillusioned about God and his power and his goodness because we're begging God to get us out of a situation that we got ourselves into. And all of a sudden, we think God doesn't have power. I want to tell you something. God's not interested in providing power to get you out of something that he never asked you to get into in the first place. Sometimes God simply says, you know what, Carol, you got yourself there. If you would have followed me and done what I told you to do, you wouldn't be in the bind that you're in right now. And sometimes God allows us to suffer the consequences of our actions. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes his purpose isn't in, doesn't involve getting us out of the situations that we were in. But I just want you to understand that, that God is not some divine genie. And we have a tendency to treat him as if he is some glorified butler. God's job is to do whatever I ask him to do. Prayer is all about me bringing my request to God, asking God, please work in this situation, provide your power, your grace, your strength to accomplish what I want. And I want you to understand that God is not your servant. God is God. He is the Lord of life, and he makes plans And he carries out his plans. He exercises his power to accomplish his purpose. He is not interested in using his power to accomplish your goals. But now here's the good part. God invites you to be a part of his purpose. His purpose... Includes you. In the purpose of God, you are part of that. God has a plan and a purpose, and His plan and purpose includes you. What that means is God has a plan and purpose for your life too. And so if the power of God is exercised when He accomplishes His purpose, and He has a purpose for me and a plan for me, then suddenly I realize that the power of God is available to me to live as God has called me to live because he has a plan and a purpose for me. So so what I want to do today is stop for a minute. Let's talk about God's plan and purpose for our life. It's one of those things that we sometimes ask questions about and and wonder about. But it's something that I think we, we can discover will bring about God's power in our life so what is it about God's purpose and where we see his power in our life well first of all let, let me help you understand this God's purpose for your life this is, this is amazing it's mind blowing but God's purpose for your life is eternal do you know that God has always known that you were going to be a part of his plan from the very beginning of time God looked into the future and saw you. You have always been a part of God's plan. You've always been a part of of God's purpose. His purpose is eternal. Uh, Sometimes we think, well, no, man, I'm I'm insignificant and and, and nothing. but, But you know, the Bible tells us that before we were ever born, God knew us. Jeremiah said, before I was ever formed in my mother's womb, you you knew me. Uh, David said the same thing in the Psalms. God, before I was ever conceived, you knew me. You you formed me in the inner parts of of my mother's womb. You, You have known me for all eternity. Your plan and your purpose includes me. I mean, we live in a world today where sometimes we feel that we are an accident or a mistake, and sometimes we're even told you're an oops baby, and we didn't plan on you. But I want to tell you something. Even if you were not planned for by your earthly parents, you're a part of God's plan. You may be a surprise to them, but you weren't a surprise to God. Before the world was ever created. God says, I, I knew you were going to be born and I've got this amazing plan for your life. I want to demonstrate my power and purpose. I want you to know me in a personal, in a unique way. You were created by God. In fact, the apostle Paul says we were created by God for good works. He created us with a purpose and a plan in mind. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, the funny thing is he never seemed to get over the fact that God called him before he was ever born, that God had a plan and a purpose for me, that God knows you and that you're valuable. Years ago, I, I preached a series of messages that, that, that kind of demonstrates the reality that God has uniquely made us and blessed us and placed us here. The title of the series was Finding Your, Your Shape in Service. And what I did in that series of messages is talked about those five things that, that are unique to who you are. All five of us have, or all of us, have five unique characteristics that, that kind of set us apart. And God uses all of those things as a part of his purpose. One of the things I told you is that God has given to, if you are a child of God, if you're a believer, at the time you accepted Jesus as your Savior, God gave to you a spiritual gift The Bible talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans chapter 12. We don't have a complete list of those in the Bible because it's kind of representative. There are many gifts, but God gives you unique gifts, and he calls us to exercise and use those gifts in his kingdom. He empowers us to use them. But not only does God give us a spiritual gift, but we can discover our shape, S-H-A-P-E. God gives us spiritual gifts, but secondly, he gives us a heart. He gives us a unique passion. There is something that floats your boat, and it's different than everybody else. There are some things that we are passionate about, some things that are just big to us. And they're not big to anybody else, but they're huge to us. They're important to us. God has placed within each one of us very unique passions and desires that really create our personality. We have a spiritual gift. We have a heart. And A, we have abilities, unique abilities. You can do things that other people can't do. Other people can do things you can't do. Some things you have the ability to do, I look at it and say, I couldn't do that. If I try, you can teach me to do that. You have this unique ability to just do certain things. It's amazing. Each one of us have these unique abilities that make us who we are. And and then the P, S-H-A-P, P P stands for personality. All of us have a unique personality. Isn't it fun if you're a parent and have more than one child, you immediately recognize from the time they're little bitty, there are unique personalities that they each have. I think that there are two categories if we're going to take all the personalities put them in two categories. You're either an introvert or an extrovert. And I like this definition of introvert and extrovert better than any other. If it, an introvert is not a person who is afraid to speak in public. An introvert is not a person that doesn't like crowds. This is how you know if you're an introvert or an extrovert. If you are exhausted, you are worn out, you are spent... There's one of two things you have to do. Either you will say this, I am exhausted. I have got to get away and be alone. I have got to have some downtime. I got to have some me time. I've got to be away from everybody else. I am overwhelmed. If that's you, you're an introvert. You have to get alone to energize. Some of you will say, man, I am burnout. I need to get around people. I am I am exhausted. And you are energized by being around people. And then the E S-H-A-P-E, spiritual gift, heart, abilities, personality, and the last one's experience. Every one of us have experienced life and have experiences in life that are unique. But this is what I want you to understand. When God's purpose is revealed to us, it includes all of that. God knows the gift he gives you. He's not going to ask you to do something that doesn't include that spiritual gift He's not going to ask you to do something that's against a passion that he gave you. He's not going to ask you to set your abilities aside. He's not going to say, oh, wow, I meant this job to be for an extrovert. I didn't know you were an introvert. God knows your personality. He knows the experiences that you've had. And so some of you are saying, well, I've had experiences in life that would keep me from serving God. And God says, no, those are the very experiences in life that equip you to do what I want you to do. You see, the second thing that I want you to understand about your purpose is this. Not only is it true that your purpose is eternal, God has had this plan for you from the beginning. This plan that God has for you is essential. God's purpose is essential. You will never be fully whole until you know your spiritual gift and are using it. Until you understand your passion and you're giving yourself to it till you are able to use the abilities that God gave you until you are living in within the personality of who you are and where you are able to use the experiences that are there it is imperative that we begin to understand that God's purpose for us is essential only as I know him only in him can I literally fulfill my destiny it's essential for my wholeness that I'm walking. Because, listen, if I am not walking in wholeness, then I am, I am literally diverting energy towards goals that drain me. And you know what I've discovered? Many of you live your entire life drained. Life is exhausting. And it's because you're not fulfilling God's purpose for your life. It's because you're fighting against God. And I want to tell you, if you're students, this is critical that you understand this. Because where you go to school matters, and what you major in matters, and the direction of your life in your career matters. God has a purpose for your life. And until you understand, what what are my spiritual gifts? God, what is it that you have equipped me to do? Why did you give me the passion you have given me? How, How am I to use my abilities? What about my personality? You didn't mess up when you made me. And the experiences that I've had, how can I use? And when you begin to understand that God has uniquely placed you with an eternal purpose, it's essential to fulfilling all that God has called us to. But the third thing that I want you to understand about his purpose is not only that it is eternal and it is essential, if, if you miss it, you can waste your life. And it's why so many people come to the end of their life and they feel like they've wasted it. It's because, what am I telling you? The power of God is available when we are in the place of God's purpose. And the reason many of us are exhausted is because you're not in the place of God's purpose. And if you're not in the place of God's purpose, you're living life in your own power. And it's exhausting. And it brings me to the third thing I've discovered about God's purpose. God's purpose is energizing. Now think about what could happen if suddenly you want to get up in the morning think about the life transformation that would happen if I I love life I enjoy what I do that's the power, that's victory see, now I want you to understand that doesn't mean that there are not challenges and that doesn't mean that there are not bad experiences, and that doesn't mean that, that they're not hard experiences. You remember the story of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and how they had served God and, uh, and, and, and were, were, the king was tricked into making a decree to, to throw into the fiery furnace anybody that doesn't bow and worship you as a king, and, and, and they were the king was tricked because they knew that those three guys are not going to do that. And so he made the decree, and it was brought about, and they said, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But this is what Shadrach and Meshach said to the king as they were standing before him. He said, if you don't bow down and worship me, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And this is what they said. Our God will deliver us from the fiery furnace. Now, here's the critical part of what they said. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. The purpose of God sometimes means that that the end is hard, and it might mean that there are challenges. But there is victory, and there is power in what was stated. They were living their life by purpose. They were saying, God has a plan and purpose for my life, and no person's going to get in the way of it. And so ultimately, I want you to understand that the purpose of God within us energizes us. When Paul was on his way to Damascus, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, he was on his way to Damascus to to persecute Christians, and he meets Jesus, the resurrected Jesus on the way to Damascus, and God stops him and appears to him in a light and says to him, um, he says to him something interesting. He says, uh, Paul, why are you fighting me? And he, and he uses this terminology, "Why are you kicking against the goads?" it says in, in, in the book of Acts. What in the world does that mean? Well, if you plow oxen in that day, there was a long stick sharp on one end that you would carry with you, and when the oxen would begin to kick at the traces, you would take that goad and you, would, you, would hit, you you would prod the oxen as they would kick their foot back, and it hurt. And over a period of time, the oxen said, well, I'm not kicking that anymore. It hurts. Now, unfortunately, we haven't learned to quit kicking. But ultimately, this is what Jesus is saying. Paul, why are you fighting me? My plan and purpose is good. And this is what I want to tell you something. There are some of you that are Christians today, and you're fighting God. You're afraid that God's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. You're afraid that God's going to send you somewhere you don't want to go. You're afraid to discover your spiritual gift. You're afraid. And I want to tell you something. You don't have to be afraid of God. And that's what he would say, Paul, you don't have to be afraid of me. You'll never know your purpose apart from me. With me, you'll know your purpose. You'll know. Listen, Paul. I will energize your life to the point that you will say I get to get up in the morning. This is what I was created to do. And I get to live in his power and grace. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have bad days. And that doesn't mean that every part of my job I love. I really believe I'm exactly where God wants me to be. But there are parts of my job I don't like. So, But I'm still energized overall by the call that God has placed on my life. That I get to do the things that he has called us to do. Well, it energizes us. Well, quickly, let me give you another one. God's purpose not only energizes, but it's it's also, here's a final one, it's exciting. No one in the nation of Israel died of boredom. From the time they crossed into the promised land, buddy, it's an exciting story. And I want to tell you something. God's going to lead you into a life of excitement and joy And you and I are going to be able to witness the wonders of God every day in our life. God's service is a call that is not boring, but exciting. We get to wake up and say, It's a brand new day. God, what are we going to do today? Where are we going today? What are you going to do today? I want to consecrate myself to you again today, and I expect to see the wonders of the Lord. And I'm going to live this life today to its absolute fullest. This is what I've discovered about God's purpose. His purpose will guide you into his presence. What God wants to do in your life is to bring you right here to me. You, you, I want to bring you right into my presence. And then I will guard you in my presence. That's what we see happen as the priests go into the middle of the, 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 the riverbed of Jordan. And they stand there with ark. God leads his people by his presence into his presence. They go into the riverbed, into the presence of God. And it is the presence of God and the ark of the covenant that stands between them and the rising wall of water, God's purpose brings them into his presence and guards them in his presence from the challenges that they face. God's power operates in his purpose. If you want to know God's power, then you're going to have to embrace his purpose. So let me quickly say this. What is God's purpose? Well, the Bible said his purpose is that none perish. And all come to repentance. God's purpose for you, first of all, is that you know him personally as Savior. That you get saved. That you recognize you're a sinner separated from God. And God has come in the person of Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that your sin debt can be paid. You can be forgiven and have new life. That's God's purpose for your life. You'll never know God's power until you know his purpose. And you'll never know his purpose if you have not accepted him as your Savior. So today that's what you need to do i receive you as my savior god i know i'm a sinner i ask you to forgive me of my sin come into my life i give you my life that's the first step of entering into his purpose but it may be that many of you have done that so the second step is not just entering into a relationship with god but to walk in the presence of god and experience the power of god and the protection of god so it comes to that place where i say god I know you have a purpose and plan for my life. I have been asking you to bless my plan, but today I choose to embrace yours. Show me what you want. Let me find you. Help me know who I am in you, and in doing that, I will walk in your purpose when you walk in his purpose my friend you'll live in his power and you won't be exhausted and overwhelmed and overcome by life let's pray father I thank you for the message you've given us today this reminder is so important especially because there are many that are here and some that are listening that have never accepted you Jesus as their Savior and so today would you let today be the day that they receive you as Savior Today be the day that they say, I know, Jesus, you came and you lived and you died and you rose again. You love me and I want to ask you to forgive me and come into my life. Let today be that day. And for others of us that are in this room, God, we are living life and running at a fast breakneck speed. Would you help us today to say, wait a minute. I'm not going to ask you to bless my day. I want to join you in what you're doing, God. I want your purpose to be fulfilled in me. Show me your plan for me and let me walk in that. Because when I'm there, your presence is there, your power is there, your protection is there. and That's what I'm looking for. So I commit myself to you and your plan and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. From everyone at South Cliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about South Cliff Church, Please go to Southcliff.com. To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission. God has given us.